I want to tell you a story of a church with, unlike us, a formal pass-the-plate time of service. Uh, We accept offerings, but we just have a little black box at the back of our sanctuary that you can just drop stuff into, and uh, we don't have any formal time during the service. But some churches do, and I'm not going to say anything about that. That's, that's fine if that's how you choose to do it. That's just not how we do it. But in this church, this is how they did it. They had a formal time during the service where they would be playing music and there would be ushers that would have these offering plates that they would pass in front of people. And in fact, the, the ushers would have these offering plates that are on these poles that they can pass down the aisle, down the seat, to make sure that it passes in front of every single person. But people don't actually have to hold the plate, it's just passed in front of them. And in this way, this one man would have an offering plate pass in front of him every week. And, man, he wasn't really excited about giving, but he felt like he should. And so, every week, he would have one or five dollar bill that plus a little bit of change he would have in his pocket. And as the offering plate would pass in front of him, he would just reach into his pocket. He would get out that $1 to $5 bill, and he would drop it in. Well, one day, he was preparing to go to the state fair, and he had just gotten $100 in the bank, and he was ready to go to the state fair as soon as church was out. But when the usher passed the offering plate, without thinking, he reached into his pocket and dropped in that $100 before... He realized what he was doing. He didn't mean to give $100 to the church. He meant to give one or five. So, awkwardly, he looks to the usher and starts to, of all things, reach to take that $100 back. But the usher pulled that out of his reach and gave him a look like, Oh, no, you don't. So the man grumpily crosses his arms and says to himself as well as the usher, Well, at least I'll get credit God for a hundred dollars. So the usher hears and leans forward and whispers back, God can use that hundred dollars, but you only get credit for five. (laughs) Some churches have a couple Sundays a year where they discuss giving and generosity. My preference except for this series we've been working our way through, has been to preach through books of the Bible. And as a result, when we're working through a book of the Bible, if the topic of giving or generosity comes up, I don't shy away from it. But I haven't been trying to draw it out anyway, uh, as specifically. Now, I'm a low-pressure kind of guy. You know, I like to say I'm allergic to making people feel pressured. But at the same time, I have to tell you that if I did not share with you about the subject of generosity, if I just said, well, this is something that is, is misunderstood by a lot of people and there's a poor view of preachers who speak about giving to the church... And so I'm not going to do that. I would be doing you a disservice. Most people view sermons on generosity as the church benefiting 
at your expense. Not so today. This sermon is not focused on that. Focused on give to the church so that we can have more. Instead, what we're going to do is we are going to today address the critical question, why do we give to the body of Christ? And the answer is we give from a mature relationship with Jesus and from a love for what He loves. We give to the body of Christ from a mature relationship with Jesus and from a love for what He loves. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles today to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This follows the book of 1 Corinthians, obviously. And in this book, Paul is addressing some issues that he has been having with the church of Corinth, where he is finding himself in a position of needing to defend himself and his authority with the Corinthian church in which he had spent so much time. And since he left, there have been people who are coming in and questioning whether Paul deserves the authority that he seemed to be claiming for himself as an apostle. And so he defends himself. But at this point in the book, Paul is addressing the fact that the church in Jerusalem, their mother church, so to speak, is facing a famine. And there is significant distress of the people in that church in Jerusalem. And so Paul is going around the Roman Empire to various churches he has been involved with, and he is saying, do you want to give toward the need of the church in Jerusalem. And the Corinthian church has said, we will give. And they are a rich church, so they're fully capable of giving. But Paul is getting word that he's on his way. He's going to visit them. But they haven't collected any money yet. They have not been actively working to, to give toward this need. And so Paul is going to give an example to the Corinthian church of another church and how they have viewed generosity in a way that the Corinthians would do well to imitate. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I hope you're there now. Starting in verse 1, going to verse 5. Paul says, Now we make known to you, brothers and sisters, the grace of God given to the churches of Macedonia, that during a severe ordeal of suffering, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. For I testify that they gave according to their means and beyond their means. They did so voluntarily, begging us with great earnestness for the blessing and fellowship and helping of the saints. They did this. Sorry for the blessing and fellowship of helping the saints. And they did this not just as we had hoped, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So during this message today, we are going to be looking at two churches that Paul commends for their generosity. 
and what value it had, not for Paul, but for the churches themselves. First thing that we can draw out of this passage is that when we give, we give out of a mature relationship with Jesus. Let's take a look at that text again in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, where Paul says, Now we make known to you, brothers and sisters, the act, the grace of God given to the churches of Macedonia, that during a severe ordeal of suffering, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. For I testify that they gave according to their means and beyond their means. Remember, this is a specific giving situation that Paul is talking about. The church in Jerusalem was facing a famine, and Paul is asking churches to send a gift. And the Macedonian church that Paul speaks of was in southern Greece. Southern Greece near all of the ports in the cities. And so you may think this is a wealthy church. These are wealthy churches in Macedonia. But if you thought that, you would actually be wrong. Because in this part of the Roman Empire, there was rampant persecution. Christians, people who believed in Jesus, would not be participating in much of Roman society. They would not be making sacrifices to Caesar. They would not be making sacrifices at the local temple which is then taken for the good of the city. They may not be eating meat that is sacrificed to idols, which other passages show they could do if they chose to, but that was kind of a tricky issue because they viewed that sometimes as worshipping the God to whom the meat was sacrificed. And so, for that reason, they were, being, they were in a way cutting themselves off from specific parts of society, and society around them was cutting them off even more so. In fact, there were many people who, when they became Christians, would lose their livelihoods for believing in Jesus. So the churches in Macedonia, despite being in wealthy cities, were faced (coughs) with extreme poverty and with suffering. And yet, in the middle of this persecution, these believers grew closer to each other and to Jesus, resulting in this thing called abundant joy. And when these three things combined, their suffering, their extreme poverty, and their abundant joy, when they combined with the need of the saints in Jerusalem, Paul says all four of these things culminated in what is called the wealth of generosity, which he describes not as according to their means, but as beyond their means. Let me give you an understanding of these two things. According to their means means in proportion to their needs. Let's say that my wife, Tamara, makes $10 an hour and I work another job that makes $50 an hour. Now, 
more likely situation, she is very capable, is that she would probably get the other job, but I'm the one preaching, so that's what we're doing. Now, let's say Tamara, with her $10 an hour job, makes, gives $40 a week to the church. That's around 10%. And let's say with my $50 an hour job, I give $200 a week to the church. If with a 40-hour job, each of us is giving 10%. That is called proportional giving. Each of us are giving according to our means. But Paul doesn't say they're giving according to their means. He says they're giving beyond their means. As in, beyond expectation. Such as, let's say I were giving $200 a week with my $40 an hour job. And Tamara, with her $10 an hour job, gives $200 a week as well. We're giving the same amount, but Tamara can afford it less than I can. Tamara is actually giving beyond her means. Now, before we continue on to this next part, we need to understand, this is not part of being a Christian. This is not... What makes you a Christian? Your generosity, your giving to the church. If you hear that you need to give in order to be a Christian, don't give. Don't you dare. I do not want your money. You can come to this church every single week, not give a penny, and you will not be any less welcome. You will not be any less loved. But, there is a spiritual maturity that accompanies giving beyond expectation. When you give, not because you have extra. When you give, not to be recognized. But when you give, because you want to be involved in God's work. There is a maturity that comes with generosity. And when you choose generosity, when you don't feel like it, when you're not sure if you can afford it, there is a way that God will take that and He will develop a maturity within you as well. It is a spiritual exercise to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. And it has value for that. But there's a second reason why we should give. Why we should be involved in giving to God's work. And that is, we give out of a love for what Jesus loves. Let's look at the second part of that passage. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, They did so voluntarily, begging us with great earnestness for the blessing and fellowship of helping the saints. And they did this not just as we hoped, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and to us by the will of God. See, Paul was not putting the pressure on any of the churches. Certainly not the Galatians. The Galatian churches, Macedonian churches, were not forced to give. Rather, they begged Paul for the blessing of giving in order to bless their brothers and sisters in Christ who were in need. And when you and I love Jesus, our love for Jesus should result in loving what He loves. You know what Jesus loves? Jesus gave Himself for what He loves. Us. You and me. People. And if we love what Jesus loves in the way that He loves them, 
then just as Jesus gave of Himself for us, we will give of ourselves for others. Now this is something where I I really want us to understand the uniqueness of Rock Bible Chapel in giving. If you don't know already, then let me explain it to you. Because we have a unique relationship being a supported church that is partnered with Village Missions. Rock Bible Chapel is a supported church. Village Missions, the organization supports rural churches across North America, U.S. and Canada, that are too small to pay for a full-time pastor. So Rock Bible Chapel, what happens is they commit to about $3,000 a month toward insurance and salary for a pastor. Um, Our church has been too small to have made that commitment on almost every month. But that's okay. Because other people have given to Village Missions the organization, and what is lacking from Rock Bible Chapel's ability to keep its commitment, Village Missions is able to supplement the remainder so that we can continue to be here. Now, $3,000 a month isn't quite enough for us to be here, however. And so beyond the chapel and beyond Village Missions, the organization providing, we have friends and family and churches across America who have given every single month on a regular basis for us to be able to be here so that we can serve you full time as your pastor. And when when I tell them, when I tell those who are supporting and praying for and encouraging me and Tamara and our family so that we can be here, when I tell them about our kids club or about baptisms or about new leaders that God is raising up to serve this church, what they do is they write back to me and they tell me that they feel blessed to be able to give. Why? Because their giving has made them a very real part of the work that God is doing here in this chapel and in this community. And it's true. They are real parts. So when I say that you should be involved in giving to the work of God, you should be generous both as a way to mature in your relationship with Christ and to show a love for what Jesus loves. I'm not just coming to you and saying, give to this church. Give all your money to this church because we have a desperate need. Because that's not the situation we're actually in. Please do. Like, be involved in the work that God is giving, God is doing here. The more that this church is able to provide for ourselves, the less that we are dependent on village missions and others. However, 
I don't just want to say give to the church because you see the opportunities to join God's work are numerous. You could give to CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, and help reach children across the world for Jesus. You could give to International Justice Mission to help free people from slavery across the world in the name of Jesus. You could give to groups like Ethnos 360 who send the gospel across the world to people who have never heard. You could give to Village Missions, the organization that supports rural churches across America. You could give to this church as well, Rock Bible Chapel, and support our work here so we won't be so dependent on Village Missions and they can take that, those funds and use it to support other churches. Now, just as Paul didn't say what he said to push them, the, the churches of his day, and pressure them to give to him. This message is not meant to pressure you to give to us. I believe that my God will supply all my needs and all of Rock Bible Chapel's needs, whether you give or not. Generosity is not a demand, guys. It's an offer. You can take it or not. But it's better for us when we choose to take it. Generosity is at the heart of how God relates to us, you see. Grace and generosity are actually quite similar ideas. And ultimately, when we give, we're being like Jesus. When we give, we follow in His footsteps down this faith path. Learning to live out of trust that Jesus Himself is working and living through us. Let's learn to follow Jesus through intentional, cheerful generosity so that we can grow closer to Him and join Him in His work as we learn to love what He loves. Let's pray.